to be established in the faith. And we see those words here in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Look at them again with me. He said, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Look at it again. As you've received Christ Jesus, what are you supposed to do? Walk in him. Making Jesus the Lord of your life. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. It's the greatest thing. But salvation day was just the beginning. It wasn't the end of anything. Now what do you do? You walk in him. And I believe one of the things we're seeing through the course of this series, maybe I should say it like this, one of the things I'm seeing, and I don't know if this is helping you like it's helping me. And if it hasn't yet, can I recommend go back and listen again and listen again. As I go back and think about what the Lord's already said to us over these last four or five weeks, I'm starting to see some things I've never seen before. And I'm understanding what's happening for us. He's making this simple for us. And if you're like me, you want that. You need that. I'm telling you what we're digging into together as a church family. There's help here. And it's helping me. I said, it's helping me. And you're going, Pastor, you need help only every day? Only in big ways? Yes, I need help. Do I got any other honest people in this room that would raise a hand and say, oh God, I need help. That's not a surprise to him. Before Jesus left, he looked at his disciples and he said, there's a lot I'd really like to say to you guys, but you can't hear it. And sometimes I read that and I think, thanks a lot, guys, because we could have had more red words. We could have had more words from Jesus, but oh, Peter, you couldn't hear it. But, but listen, there's no sense in judging any of them. He looked at those guys and he might as well have been looking you and me in the eye. And he said, what? You need help. So just say it. I need help. That's honesty, isn't it? Honesty to say, I need some help and I need the Lord's help. And this is what he's doing for us. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, but specifically in this series where we've been talking about being established in the faith, he's helping us. He's helping us see just with this one verse right here, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. He's helping us see that the same thing you're born again with, the same thing you're born again by is what you walk with God by. The same truth that saved you is the truth that you live by. And he made it so easy. He made it so simple to receive Jesus. But it takes religion and it takes an a, a unscriptural, traditional way of thinking to convince you that living the Christian life is somehow complicated, complex and difficult. But what the Bible say, as you received him, walk in him. The way you received him is the way you walk in him or the way you walk with him. And he said, what happens as you walk in him, as you continue to walk with him, the result is you get rooted, you get built up and you become established in the faith. Now, those things did not happen the day you were born again. 
Many, many, many wonderful things happened on that day. But these things being rooted, being built up, being established, these things happen as you walk with Him, as you walk in Him. So if you're not walking with Him, guess what else is not happening? Roots are not going down. You're not being built up. You're not being established in Him. Now, now why is it so critical and important that we become established in our faith? Because the more established you are, the harder you are to deceive. The more established you are, the harder you are to trick. The harder you are to lie to. The more established in the faith you are, the harder you are to deceive. The more rooted you are, the harder you are to move. The more built up you are, the harder you are to knock over. That's why these things are so important. But here's the deal. You don't become established in anything because you did it once. Do you hear me this morning? That's not how you become established in it. You don't become established or rooted in anything because you did it one time or you tried it once a few years ago. Remember, if you think back several weeks ago when we first started digging into this study, we were talking about the word established and what it actually means. It means to be fixed. It could also mean to, to be made stable. But the word itself also literally means to turn resolutely in a direction and to take that direction. And the example I gave you was what I learned when I was going to flight school. And uh, when you're learning to fly and learning to take instruction from air traffic control, um, they will talk to you in critical phases of flight. And the critical phases of flight are takeoff, approach, and landing. This is where you need good communication from air traffic control. They see what you don't see. And there is, especially in that takeoff and departure phase of flight, you might be trying to go north, but because they see all the traffic around you, they might have you go east or west for several miles, from up to 10, 15 minutes sometime, depending on the traffic. But there will come at some point an instruction from the controller. Come on, I'm preaching now. <laughs> there will come instruction at some point where they'll say, turn and head, you know, um, three, six, that's straight north, or, or, or give you your desired direction, and they'll tell you to get established on course. That means turn in the direction you've been trying to go this whole time. The way is clear. You can now turn there and get established on course. Do you see the example there? Well, it, continuing, I guess, in the world of aviation, um, Somebody doesn't go take a flight lesson and then say, okay, I'm established as a pilot. If somebody says, hey, I took my first lesson yesterday, want to go flying? What's your answer? Not yet. No. No, I, I totally flew the airplane. He let me hold the yoke and everything and I turned left and I turned around. I'm good. We're good, man. Come on. I'll rent the plane. We'll go. No. No, why? Because just because you did it once doesn't mean a thing. Oh, come on, are you hearing me this morning? 
Just because somebody did that once does not mean go get in the airplane with them. You don't become established in anything or as anything just because you did it once. You do it over and 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 over again. And you know what? You and I in this nation, we ought to be very thankful because of the, the training that the government, the FAA and different aviation agencies have put in place that require people to go through very extensive, very involved training. And before anybody ever flies, especially a commercial airliner, they've got a heap load of time and hours and experience before they let them fly anybody else, especially one of those big airplanes with a couple hundred passengers that you and I ride on. Aren't you, aren't you thankful that there's some rules in place that, that say, we wanna make sure you're established as a pilot before you start flying people around? When I went to flight school, I moved out to Tyler, Texas for a couple of months. There was a flight school out there and I rented an apartment, me and a buddy, we went to flight school. We were in it all day, every day. And uh, the only thing was we weren't the only ones there. This flight school had contracts with other nations, Northern African nations, European nations. And they would send these young guys and girls, 19, 20, 21 years old, over here to this flight school and go through this crash course, no pun intended, of... <laughs> It's just airplanes day and night for, you know, six weeks or whatever it was. Send them back to their countries and they are the commercial airline pilots. We ought to be thankful. We ought to be thankful. What do you, who, who do you want flying your airplane? You want somebody established, right? What I'm trying to say to you is that does not happen because you did something once, because you tried something, like I said, a few decades ago. It happens as you walk in it, day in, day out. What about your fellowship and walk with the Lord? Huh? I mean, you were born again. That's wonderful. Praise God. We rejoice in that. But now what? Well, you want to be established in that fellowship, in that relationship with Him? Better start walking. Start walking. And it's one step after another. I want to focus in on something He said here in this verse. He said in verse six, as you have received, everybody say the word received, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So again, the simplicity of this is saying, okay, how did I receive? How did I make Jesus the Lord of my life? And that's what we've been talking about over the last several weeks, but I want to add to it today. Go to the book of Ephesians chapter two. And let's see specifically how we received him, because once we find out how we received him, now we know how to walk in him. Now we know how to walk with him. In Ephesians chapter two, let's read several verses. Why? Because I love it. Starting in verse one. Ephesians two, one, he said, and you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. You were established on the wrong course. Your, your course, you walked the course, he said, of this world. And what is that course? Well, it's the course Jesus talked about when he said there is a, a gate that is wide and a road that is wide and broad 
that leads to destruction. That's the course that you used to walk, and it was the course of this world. He said, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others, just like everybody else. You and I were no different. And he said that was our nature. By nature, we were children of wrath, just as the others. Some of the worst advice anybody could ever give another person is just do what comes naturally. You don't know what comes naturally to them. I, speaking of flying, when I moved out there to Tyler, Texas, I had an instructor, and man, this guy was mean. He was just, just a rough character, not patient, and I needed patience because for you know, whatever reason, it wasn't sticking with me. I wasn't getting it. I wasn't comprehending it, which was so frustrating because you know I've got this grandfather who's been flying for like 60 years, and he's just one of the best there's ever been, and I'm sitting here struggling you know, with it, and I've got this instructor and we're out on a cross-country trip, and we're flying into this airport. And to make matters worse, he had this really, really thick Indian accent, which is fine until you get into a Cessna 172 with junky headphones, and you can barely hear anything, and he's yelling at you in this thick Indian dialect. And he's trying to say, okay, now what's your, what's your angle of attack? What angle are you going to enter the traffic pattern on? And then die, he's going and going and going. And I'm like, I, I know, I, I, just tell me. And he's getting frustrated with me. And he says, come on, just, just use some common sense. I'm like, bro, I drive everywhere. That's what's common to me. What was common to him was not yet common to me. You got to be careful who you tell to just do what comes naturally. Because they might be crazy. <laughs> that guy might be messed up. You don't want him doing what comes naturally. And there was a time in every one of our lives before we knew Jesus that we were by nature children of wrath. By our nature, we were disobedient. By our nature, he said, we fulfilled the lust of the flesh, the lust of the mind, and there was nothing different about us. He said, but, verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, listen, by grace, you have been saved. And verse six, raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, listen, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Isn't that what this whole thing's been about? Getting established on the right course in your life. Not wasting another time, another moment, any more time walking down the wrong path, the path that leads to death. You want to be on the path 
that leads to life. And according to this passage right here, it was mercy that puts you on the right path. But did you notice what he said there? Gave you very specific words about how you were saved. What was it? Look at it again. What verse was it? Verse eight. By grace, you have been saved through faith. How did you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord? By grace, through faith. Can you see that? Would you agree with that? By grace, through faith. Say it with me. By grace, through faith. That is how you received. That's how you were saved. I don't think that's new information to anybody in here this morning. You knew that, didn't you? It was by grace through faith. By grace through faith. But if that's the way you were born again, if that's how you received Christ Jesus, how do you walk in Him? By grace through faith. You received by grace through faith. Now walk by grace through faith. This is what our entire lives, church, this is what they're about right here. This is how we live this life as a believer, as a Christian. We were saved by grace through faith. We live every day. How? By grace through faith. And did you notice here he said it was a gift. It was not of yourselves. It was not your works that did it. It was a gift. That's what the word grace means. It literally means a gift. But here's the thing. Even though Jesus died and shed his blood for every man, woman, child on this earth, all that have ever been, all that are now, and all that ever will be, all have been redeemed. A price has been paid for every man, but not all are living in their redemption. We could agree with that, right? All have been redeemed. And the word redeemed literally means the price has been paid. The price has been paid for everybody. But I, I bet it wouldn't be hard for you to stop and think right now of at least two or three people you know that aren't living in that redemption, right? Even though the price has been paid. So what's the problem? Is it not God's will to save them? Come on, help me. Is it, not, is, is, is it God's will that they not be saved? No, you know that. You know from the scriptures that God's not willing that any should perish. No, he wills for them to be saved. He's made a way for them to be saved. So what's the problem? Huh? It's not just the grace. It's the faith working with it. Grace gives the gift. Faith receives. Faith receives it. As you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Okay, well, if you received him by grace through faith, how do you walk with him? By grace through faith. Now, here's the great news. God gave you Jesus as a gift. God, who is love, gave you Jesus, who is grace. But how did you receive that gift? Faith. See, God does not do things for us based on his will, just his will, just his ability. It requires faith. And the way you received Jesus is the way you receive from 
Jesus. Listen to me. The way you received Jesus is how you receive everything Jesus gives. It's the same way. It's by grace. It's through faith. My question to you this morning is, how good at you, how good are you at receiving? Are you a good receiver? Because if you're going to get anywhere with God in this life, we're going to have to be good receivers. We have to be. We've got to learn how to live by grace through faith. That's the way we're born again, and it's the way we live every day of our lives. Are you a good receiver? Well, you might think so, but listen to me. Our culture has conditioned us, have you noticed this, to not be good receivers. When you try to give somebody something, have you noticed that there seems to be almost always this initial response of, oh, no, I couldn't. Oh, no, I can't. That's too much. That's too nice. I don't deserve that. I was praying over some of this yesterday, and I made a list in my notes, and I titled the list, Stupid Things People Say While Failing to Receive. (laughs) Things like I just mentioned, oh, I couldn't. I can't possibly. That's too nice. That's too much. I don't deserve it. Okay, but I'll pay you back. And we're conditioned to not be good receivers. And this is not going to work with God. I said, this is not going to work with God. Sarah and I, years ago, were ministering in another country. And it's a long story. I'll I'll shorten it. Somewhere during the trip, I lost our passports. We were on a train, a two-hour train ride from one city to another. And the next morning, I realized I don't have our passports. I won't tell you the whole story. It's an amazing story. But the short version is... A guy who worked on that train found them, contacted me via social media and said, I found your passports. And we were rejoicing because, man, he saved me from a world of hurt, having to go to the embassy and trying to get home and so on and so on. It would have been an absolute mess. And I was so thankful he contacted me, so thankful he didn't turn my passports in like he was supposed to because they would have confiscated them and cut them. I could have gone through so much pain and trouble. But this guy contacted me, said, I found him. I'll meet with you somewhere. Well, of course, I was very excited. And the pastors that were hosting us, I was like, man, I want to bless this guy. Can I give him some money? And they said, yes, but here's what's going to happen. You are going to offer him this money. And he's going to tell you, no, I don't want it. See, it was so pervasive in this culture not to receive that they predicted it without even knowing this person, total stranger. They said, you're going to have to tell him, no, I want you to take this. I want you to have it. Sure enough, I met the guy. He comes rolling up in his car, comes out, hands me my passport. Man, thank you so much. Craig Sned was his name. And he handed me my passports. I was like, man, I cannot tell you how thankful I am, how grateful. Do you, can, can I give this to you? And I pulled out, I don't know how much it was. This is fistful, you know, and I'm trying to give it to him. Sure enough, you know what he did? No. So I had to stand there and argue with him until he would take it. We are so conditioned to not receive, to resist it. And we think it's humility, but it's not. It's actually the opposite. It's pride. And if you can't take a few bucks 
from a stranger saying thank you? How are you going to handle God saying, let me bless you. Let me heal you. Let me deliver you. Let me prosper you. Let me increase you. Oh, no. I don't take handouts. Well, you better get another God because ours is just handing stuff out. How good, at you, how good are you at receiving? Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.